right about him. I'm always right. It's like when I'm right, I'm right. And when I'm wrong, I could have been right. So I'm still right because I could have been wrong. That makes sense. Come on. We back, we back, we back. Wild card bang, bang. episode. 43. Yay, yay. Four, three. We're almost Which a four, four. Odd number. Almost a four, four, four. Shout out to Moses Malone, RIP. Uh, my grandmother, I think. My grandmother was so sad when, when Daryl Dawkins died. And then when Moses Malone died, I was like, damn, grandma, you know what I mean? How you feel? She was like, I really wasn't that big of a Moses guy, but he was great. I was like, damn, grandma, you ruthless. I mean, he, hey, <laughs> Moses is not JFK. No, no. She cried for JFK. She cried when Daryl Dawkins died. Uh, and she had Charles Barkley run laps because he was late to practice because he watched in her hospital with her. But that's neither here nor there. Also, I will say, you know, while, while we're, you know, uh, spreading the vigil vibes, mm-hmm. rest in peace to uh, the second to pass, I, I suppose, of our generation's TV fathers. Uh, mm. One Bob Saget, legend of the comedy game. Um, I, I don't know what your memories of him are like i remember like every, nick at night all the time full house for sure mm-hmm. and then it was like i remember like watching him in entourage the first time like i feel like that was a lot of people my age is like first uh realization that he was not <laughs> the all-american <dad laughs> that we all thought he was <laughs> he's like yeah i was doing so much blow in the 90s and like but man le- legend of the game legendary uh mm-hmm. comedy so Shout, so shout out to Bob Saget, Philadelphia boy, mm-hmm. by the way. That's true. Abington, right? Yeah, Philadelphia's own. Uh, he Temple. To me, yeah, Temple and all of that. Like, to me, Bob Saget, the thing about Bob Saget is that he was a legend in two games like Pee Wee Kirkland, as a great Pusha T once said, because he was TV's dad to a certain group of people in, in the country. And then whenever he wasn't on TV, any movie he ever did, he stole the show with the outrageous shit he would say out of his mouth. Like in the half-baked scene, when he was like, you ever suck dick for like, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's, a, that's like another that. perfect example of like, it was like, yeah. hold on, they, they must have they dubbed that one. There's no way they that guy said that. that. <laughs> like, did Bob Saget really say that? And then like in Dumb and Dumber, right? there's shit everywhere. Yeah. There's shit on the walls, yeah. shit on the ceiling. Like, it was it was, like, he was literally dude. two different people. Yeah, and both of them were like as good as you could be at those things. But the but the great thing about that is a lot of comedians can only be one way. Like some mm-hmm. comedians can only be dirty. Some comedians are only funny being clean. Bob Saget could do both of them. And I will say this as well, too. Controversial opinion. Bob Saget, also another Philadelphian. Bob Saget over the last five years became America's dad because another Philadelphian, Bill Cosby, fell from grace. So it's wild that America's dad, both America's dads in the last 40 to 50 years has come out of Philadelphia. Or I would argue, I'm going to throw a third in there, which is the mm-hmm. other one I was thinking of. Um, raise a <laughs> young lad from Philadelphia on TV as well. I think you got to throw Uncle Phil in there as another one. See, I, he's not from Philly, though. Well, but I'm saying, you know, Phil's from or Will's from Philly. Yeah, uh, I, well, I will say this though: an honorary, so, so I, honorary Philadelphian. But Uncle Phil, I'll give Uncle Phil that. So yeah, top three. That's that's like that's TV dad Mount Rushmore. We got to find a fourth then because we can't just have three up there. Is it Nigel Thornberry? Like I don't know, but Coach it Taylor. has to be. Like, I don't know. This was an argument on on Twitter day. Is uh, Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights a good dad? No. See, that's what that's what I thought, and I had friends that were defending him vehemently. He's, He's a great coach. Great coach. Great. Terrible coach, dad. T- Tammy Terrible Taylor dad. ran that house. Yeah, terrible dad. 
Great coach, um, Terrible Dad. I, I, don't, I don't know. Who, who else would like, be to me, to me, to me, I look at him the same way. Great dad. Great. Uh, I, I look at him the same way I look at Joe Jackson. Terrible dad. Great cultivator of yeah. talent. Yeah. Like, great coach of talent. <laughs> um, Ted Bundy, is he married to that? I, I didn't watch enough of uh, Married with Children, though, to, like, have, have a fair opinion on that. Um I mean, hey, John Samos, does he get to no, – maybe no, it can't no, be two from no, the same. Not even close. Not Tim even Allen? Close. Tim Allen, home improvement? I think Tim Allen is close, but I don't think Tim Allen's reach was the same. Is, is it even real action? Could, could it be – It has to be four, though. Like, we got to find that four. But, like – Is it Bob Belcher? <laughs> Listen, that's he's my out here age, grinding. Like, he's, he's out here grinding for the fam. He is out here grinding for the fam. I, I wonder if that that fourth spot goes to somebody who's not a father. Maybe it's a mother. Maybe it's just mm. like because like at the end of the day, if we're working as hard to trying to find a father, maybe there isn't a real answer. Mount Rushmore of it has sitcom dads, so okay. we'll start there. Herman Munster, I mean, great I, show. Nope, that's a bit too far. <laughs> Uncle Phil, Mike Brady. Carl Winslow. Mm, nah, that had a, that was a niche audience. I was a. This is this is uh not the strongest uh, one. Okay, here we go. This is where we go. Reddit. Reddit's where you get everyone's opinion. But which four characters belong on the Mount Rushmore of TV dads? You got Al Bundy, Tim Taylor, Red Red Foreman. See, good dad. Where's Red Foreman from? That '70s show. I, I wasn't a that's heavy show guy. Okay. He was so very, maybe, very know. like um I've seen episodes, but I didn't like someone watch said it. Timmy Turner's dad. And then someone just commented back Dinkelberg. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very niche if you've seen it. But yeah, yes. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is a maybe it is a mother. Yeah, I think it, it might have to be a mom, man, because if we work in this hard, and also that was not that I mean, I mean but we're also talking like the highest tier. I don't think it. I don't think it's fair to those other three people that we named to just like throw someone else in there. Maybe it's just. Maybe we got to leave it as as a three horsemen. The next one. Hmm. The the fourth spot is is the next one. You know which, which ring is my favorite. The next one. You know it's the next. Who's going to be the next great TV dad? Yeah, There's never going to be. Yeah. Or is is it Anthony Anderson from Blackish? He's great he, in Black. There? I I haven't watched a ton of Black. My family watches a lot of it. I haven't watched, but I've really enjoyed it when I do. That, that's not a bad <gasps> one. I got one. Pops from Wayne's Brothers from Fridays. Like, <laughs> like if you've never seen Pops in action. What's uh? Oof. What's uh? I heard someone say, "What's his name?" I already forgot now. Dude from Modern Family was getting some love. Um, which one? The, the one type, who was the Al type, Bundy. <laughs> the one who literally was Al Bundy too. Nah, that that plays. Uh, he's played by Ty Burrell. Um, Phil Dunphy. Yeah, Phil. The, the, no wonder why I felt wrong was I was thinking Phil and then was going back to Uncle Phil in my brain. Oh, I thought you were talking about the one who was literally Al Bundy. Yeah, that's not the one I was talking about. Because that'll be funny. You were like, yo, he's he's on the list twice with two different dads. <laughs> yeah, but like I will say, you know, in. There's certain cliches when people pass away that are famous, 
But I do think that there was a certain element with the Bob Saget one that we've seen with some of these other names, especially that we've thrown out, not in the case of Bill Cosby. Um, is Mr. Rogers the fourth TV dad? He was kind of a TV dad to everyone. You didn't have, you got to have kids to be a dad. No, but I'm, I'm saying like he is the, American, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. Metaphor. He, he's, he's on a Mount Rushmore of mentors. Okay. But like, okay. I, I can live with that. No, but people were talking about like, it's crazy when the Bob Saget stuff happens and everyone's like, he was just like, he always said, told people he loved them. He was like, like, like people were talking about like, you know, when you lose people and you're like, man, I wish that we could have told each other that we love each other more. Mm hmm. It was like that was never an issue with him. That's really that's really one of the reasons why I started telling people what I would say three years ago that I love him. Like when we lived together, I used to say, "Yo, I love you, man." Yeah, like I love you. Like it was and it was real because <clears throat> I lost a lot of people in my life, and I lost somebody when we were living in the house right before you moved in, and it was one of those things where I I love being me so much that I like it when people can't lie about me. What I mean by that is if somebody's like, I don't know how Reese feels about this. They're either lying or I haven't even figured it out. Yeah. And that's about people. That's about things. That's about what it's going to be about. So I love that people know exactly how I feel about them. It's almost never a mystery. Like and the only reason it would ever be a mystery if I'm still figuring out where I don't think it's the right time to tell somebody, but I'm very open in my last three years about just telling people I love them, even if they don't say it back. Like it ain't even about getting that that reciprocation. It's about mm -hmm. just letting them know how I feel about it and keeping it keeping that thing moving. And I think that it's it's almost like when people. I don't think that in today's world we look at death the same way the ancestors did. Like one of the greatest quotes I heard over the last two years was that um, our ancestors ran towards death; we run away from it. And I think that's also shows you a lot when it comes to funerals, when it comes to memorial services, when it comes to people tweeting it and Facebook and Instagram and it, a lot, a lot of that is to tell people that it happened. But a lot of times that's the only reason people are sharing it, not because they want to connect with that person, not because they want to love that person again. It's just like, so that they can be part of the story. And that story kind of ends because that person may not be here, depending on what you believe in after death. So telling people they love them is big. And I'm happy Bob Saget, who lived to be only 65, I believe it was. Yep. Um, and I love the fact that even though he died in a hotel, I was like, damn, man, I hope he ain't go out bad like a lot of people. And it was like, oh, he was in the Ritz Carlton. I was like, oh, my man was still out here living. Shout out to Bob, you know, and he was I think he was like the comedian's comedian. I think a lot of people who talk about Bob Saget and a lot of people who love Bob Saget, they were like, they're like, that's their favorite comedian or one mm -hmm. of their favorite comedians, even though he I never got versatility. Commercial. I think it was the versatility and like, and like, I heard some great stories come out and like, he was on, like this one hit home to me, um, BJ Novak, who most people will probably know from the office um, mm -hmm. that played Ryan, the temp and wrote on the mm -hmm. office. He's from my hometown. And he, literally five or six days before Bob Saget passed away, he had Bob on his podcast and mm. he was telling this story about basically like when he moved out to LA, when he was like 20 and like Bob called BJ's mom and was like, I, I'll take care of him. Like, mm -hmm. you know, he's like, you, you come with me, like kind of took him under his wing, which I mean, when BJ Novak would have gone out there would have been, probably the late nineties. Um, so Bob Saget was Bob Saget. So Bob That's was wild. balling and had yeah. no requirement to take care of anyone, especially yeah, some random point. kid from Massachusetts. 
And at that point, you expect people just to be like, oh, you've earned the right to be a dickhead. Like, it's just like, look at the level of yeah. success you had. Yeah, I like, I mean, because it, it was this, they said, yeah, he passed away at 65, 35 years ago, Full House started. 35 years ago? 35 years. Wait, 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 wait. That's wild because I'm 31 and I thought like I was born. I thought Full House started like shortly after I was I thought was it was like mid 90s. Same. And, but no, or I mean, I don't know when it first aired, but. If it like, aired in 85, it, 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 dude, it, it, that's it was this, It was the stuff that people, like all the actresses and actors were like, 35 years wasn't enough. Like 35 years knowing you from being, like this was what, like um, yeah. Candace Cameron, Johnson. is that her name? Yeah. Like I know uh, she's, something I, like that. I read hers was like, uh, that played DJ. She played, mm-hmm. or she said 35. I know they kind of yeah, had like a, a whole thing together. Because um, she she dealt with her own substance use um addictions yeah. and things like that. And John Stamos post that yeah. that was like crippling. Like, Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle Jesse. Bob, Bob Saget, I, I don't think that they make to me, Bob Saget, and it's not exactly a perfect parallel, but to me, Bob Saget for comedies with DMX was to music. They don't make people like those dumb anymore. Like people who will say they what the never fuck got they probably mean, enough credit. As mm-hmm. like you know, DMX, DMX came out with an album like uh is Dark and Hell is Hot is DMX's first album, right? It came out in 99, right? Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood also came out in 99. Both of them went number one multiple times platinum. And he didn't even get nominated for best artist, he didn't get nominated for best rap album, he didn't get nominated for anything at the Grammys. Jay-Z boycotted the Grammys because he, DMX didn't get nominated and he won the Grammy. DMX Did never it hmm. Jay, Jay won that year? Yeah, Jay won that year. He did. He chose. He's like, I'm not going. You didn't nominate DMX. What, what, you what, not are, the, what are the odds going? that award is at DMX's? Or <laughs> That'd be gangster. DMX probably wouldn't even know where it was because that's yeah. the kind of dude he was. But, like, but, but like, like, I feel like, like Jay dude. would have the honorability of being like, they sent me this. I don't want it. You deserve it. It's yours. I think apparently what happens with a lot of those Grammys, and this might just be a conspiracy, is that if you don't pick it up, they keep it. So, like, Will Smith is the first rapper to ever win a Grammy. Will Smith and the Fresh, Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff are the first rappers to ever win a Grammy. And they boycotted that year because they wasn't going to show the Grammy for the rap album or rap uh, songs on TV. So they didn't go. So no rapper went. So they won, and they, and they just didn't get it. And apparently, from what I understand, excuse me, sometimes they get mailed out, but other times they just keep those motherfuckers. They'd be like, well, you didn't pick it up. So, yeah. Well, it's because, yeah, I mean, because they didn't, you didn't help them sell, you know, Sell mm-hmm. the show. So they're all so Bob Bob Saget though, man. Like it's Legend. it's it, yeah, like they say it comes in threes, man. Like death comes in threes, and and it's been. I was saying is that I was like, we literally talked about Betty White last week. Yeah, we talked about Betty White last week. Right after Betty White died, um, uh, who just died right after Betty White and before Bob Saget? I'm gonna look it up. Um, definitely keep going, but like there was somebody else very important, and it's just skip, skipping my mind right now. I I feel like I know what you're talking about and now I can't think. Um who did pass away? I hate that this is like it. I mean, yeah, Virgil, that was before Dolph was before. Like the, the the sad thing is I'm now going through this list of people that died this year. It's like, damn, we lost some heavy hitters. Yeah. We lost people who were which so I think is 
Yeah, it's it's one of those weird ones where like Sydney Portier. Oh, Portier. Yeah, 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 you're right. I'm mad I forgot that. So like, sorry, sorry, Sydney. Like you're a legend, you're an icon. You you are somebody who's way too important for me to forget that you literally just passed. But I think it's because there's so many people dying that I try not to harp on who has died, and I really try to focus on who's still around and try to put up their legacy. But Sydney Portier, like think about this, Betty White. We talked about Betty White last time, so we don't really have to rehash it, but an icon when it comes to TV and film, but also an icon when it comes to the social justice movement, even though she probably wasn't a part of, quote unquote, the movement, but she made strides just being herself. Sidney Poitier, the first black man to ever win an Academy Award. Um, And the reason and the person who Denzel Washington Mm patted himself after and he won awards in a time where they wouldn't even let him be a leading man in Hollywood because he was dark skinned. He was obviously black. He like, and he was a handsome dude. And he was like, nah, you're not leading man material. So he still through all of that somehow won an Oscar, an Academy award. He, and it feels like for me in his last probably decade, two decades of life, he became like a recluse. Like he wasn't in, he wasn't on screen anymore. He wasn't doing interviews. He was at his home. And um, I think he's from the Virgin Islands or the Barbados or one of those. Um, and it's, it's interesting because we're losing people who directly impact media and media directly impacts how people think and live. So Betty White, Sidney Poitier, Bob Saget, people who were, what they were themselves on the highest degrees when it was sometimes the hardest to be yourself and they transcended. And the but no one were, wanted you to be yourself. And I think that's why they were so successful because they were themselves where if they would have played the part, they probably would just been other comedians or just other actors. And, and it's dope to see that. So Betty White, Sidney Poitier and Bob Saget, man, all died within two weeks of each other. Crazy. Yeah, man. Less than two weeks. If you think about it, cause it's only what it's only the 12th. Yeah. All died within 12 days. I mean, I, what I'll 13, say, you 13 know, days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if there is an afterlife or if there is a heaven, you know, that this particular like commuter uh, rail up there, you know, with those three has to be a hell of a time. Can I, can I get a sidebar on that? Yeah. This isn't right. I'm going to preface it by saying it. Not right. One <laughs> of the funniest, one of the things that's been making me laugh over the last like week is when motherfuckers say, you do that, you're going to end up next to Tupac house. Like, shit, just like, said that. It's so disrespectful. But it's funny as shit to be like, yeah, you keep keep taking that advice, you're going to end up next to Tupac's house. Like, it's just like, did you just say you're going to end up dead? Then you're going to wake up? That's fucked. Like, it's fucked up there. Some shit like that. But it's funny as shit because it makes you think like, oh, you're going to die, die. Like, this isn't going to be, this is going to be done for you. So I just had to say that because like talk about like that commuter rail and talk about being up there. But that kind of leads me to, to a question I have for you, where it's like, at what point do you think a person gets their proper praise or does a person ever really get their proper praise? Can you name somebody who you believe got their proper praise? Um. Probably not. Um, I think there's an inherent piece of that where if someone got all the proper praise they deserved, there would be nothing to say when they pass. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Cause it, it's so tough. Cause when anyone that made an impact on you passes, you immediately feel the regret of any second that you missed with them. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first thing that comes. And then you think of all the stuff that you appreciated about them, that even when you told them, you know, you probably start thinking, I wish I could have told them that more, or I wish I could have expressed that more. So I think in a way it's good that we don't tell everyone everything, but there, mm-hmm. it needs to be more open at the same time. Like, like mm. you can't, you can't feel like if someone passed away, I don't think you can feel like you emptied 15% of the clip on how much you love them. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there should always be probably some stuff you keep to yourself that you share um, in a, in a eulogization, if that's a word, which is definitely not. Um, it's a word now. It's a word now. All words are made up. We're quite right. So it's a word. Um, you know, I think there should be some stuff that you'd say, you know, when the emotion hits you a little differently, when you know that there's going to be no more future conversation with them. So um, in a way, you know, I I don't think anyone should also at the same time feel so comfortable to know everything that everyone thinks about them. So like, it's a weird, it's a weird road. Like I'd love to know all the stuff that people love about me, but at the same time, I know that I have no right to know all those things. Do you think it would do you more harm or do you think it would do you more good if you knew exactly how people felt about you when it comes to praise and adulation while you're alive? Um, I'm someone that believes very strongly in equilibrium. Um, I think it's one of my greatest talents and I think something that people should do more of. You find the good. You know, I want find the good when there's bad, find the bad when there's good. Um, You know, if I'm too high on myself because I'm hearing only good things about me, I need people to bring me down to earth mm-hmm. and be like, you're not that hot shit. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, when I'm at my lowest, yeah, of course I'd want to hear more about how people really feel about me. If it's good stuff, obviously, um, you know, but it's like, I, I think that's important because it keeps you striving to be better. If everyone hits you with like, man, I just want to tell you how much I love you. That's going to be really great. And then when it's the only thing you hear, either you take it for granted and you stop, living more for them I, I would be my fear i don't know some people might be okay i'd like to think that i would uh maintain certain things that i do with, with people i have relationships with but i don't know maybe you get a little comfortable and you say yeah they love me i've done my thing I, i'm mm-hmm. gonna chill a little bit you know so like i feel like in, in a way that there's a a wealth in not knowing how people feel exactly about you um at mm-hmm. a certain point so that you can continue to prove them maybe already right or change that opinion for the better. No, I, 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 I love that answer. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if there is a right or wrong answer to the question I just made up on the spot. Yeah. I, I know for me, <clears throat> I'm such a self-starter that people, and this is not never some type of humble brag, but I would say in a professional sense, people tell me how great I am all of the time. You know, whether it be my students, whether it be fellow staff members, whether it be people who just heard about me, like it's and even when I was a student, student, like even when I was a student at St. Joe's, like I used to call myself the mayor of St. Joe's because everybody knew me, everybody like it was like one of those things. And I never let it get to me on a negative sense, because you're never as good as they say you are and you're never as bad as they say you are. And if you can remember that, you can even kill that Loki line. No good person Uh, is all good and no good bad person is all bad. Uh, coming from the murderer, but yeah, sure, we can we can rock he's, with that. He's a god of mischief. It's all good. Uh, mischief don't mean murder. Those are two different <laughs> crimes. But but yeah. but it's 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 one of those things where I think that it's easy to fall into 
a sense of disbelief or a sense of overpurpose if you don't really know who you are and you don't really know where you stand and stuff. And I think yeah. that's why it's important to understand who you are in every single situation, because if you don't, then you'll be swayed by the crowd no matter how it goes, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I think that, I think that for me, I would rather know exactly how much people love me or hate me while I'm alive so that I can know where to direct the love to the people who deserve it and need it as opposed to me giving it maybe out to the people who may not understand it or want it or need it at the same exact time. And I think that, <clears throat> sadly enough, like I, I've said this many a times, but I'll say it again. And I don't think I've ever said it on this podcast, but me and you have talked about it. I know that if I died today, there will be so many people who came to, I mean, there won't be, I don't want a funeral, so there won't be a funeral. But if, if I did have a funeral, there'll be so many people who came to my funeral who refused or chose not to be in my life while I'm living, but they will come to the funeral. And my whole thing, because I'm petty Pendergrass, um, I chose not to use petty wife, obvious reason, but I'm petty Pendergrass. So I'll be like, nah, you ain't getting in. Like, we don't have bounces at the door. Like, nah. You don't want to be petty LaBelle? Like, shout out to petty LaBelle, also from Philly. We checked his text messages. You ain't texting in three years. Fuck out of here. Like, like it'll be shit like that. <laughs> receipts. Like, yeah, man. Like, you coming for what? Well, I need to mourn. You can mourn in your car. You don't got to come to the funeral. <laughs> like, that yeah. shit don't mean nothing. Yeah, it's just going to be part so, like, yeah, in on my deck. mind. Yeah, and, and the grieving is a process that we all go through differently, and there is no real rhyme or reason to how, how it's done or how it should look. However, I do believe that a lot of people wait until they know, they know that a person is no longer available for them to show remorse, for them to show contempt, mm -hmm. for them to show love, admiration, whatever it may be. And I think that's purposeful in some kind of way, even if it's not on purpose. Yeah. And I, I can't I mean, rock with that. I think that that's very true. Like for myself, like the greatest fear I have is regret. I think in any regard, it's why I've like done certain stuff and moved around and like taken chances and whatever. Mm -hmm. Cause like the last thing I want to do is be 60 when I can't do those things and be like, damn, I really wish I had done that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I, and I think like, I don't know, like you talking about that made me think of the, the Robin Williams line of like, you know, death is not the enemy, you know, but what, what we do need to fight is indifference. Um, and like just kind of moving on and, and showing no passion, good or bad. Um, so yeah, like I, I'd love to know if people hate me. It gives me time to, you know, one, I guess, decide if I want to uh, prove them wrong but, or to mm -hmm. prove them wrong. Um, you know, and, and, you know, may be something where now I, it's one less person that I need to waste energy on because I don't feel that it's worthy of that, you know, mm -hmm. but also, yeah, I want to hear what I'm doing well, but tell me what I can do better. You know, if you're hitting me with, you know, I love you, but you really need to be better about this. Cool. That gives me something to do. You know, I, I don't want that to be something that's left in either of our pockets. And it, and it reminds me of my Robin Williams line, Reese MC's line is I wonder when Robin stopped seeing the humor in life. Hmm. You know what I mean? He played patch items where laughter was great as medicine. He brought joy to so many people. And at the end of the day, he killed himself. You know, it's kind of like what Chappelle said about Anthony Bourdain. He went around the world eating delicious food, meeting the coolest people, and then he killed himself. So it, it says a lot that I think that we as people, I think we as people don't support each other in a holistic manner, even if we have the ability to. And I think there's various reasons why that may be. 
However, I do believe that when we see people struggling, who we like, care about, love, idolize, we watch them struggle to see them make it out and, and congratulate them for making it out, even though we could have made, helped them make it out a lot sooner. If do they you think it's out of it fear out. of reciprocation? What do you mean by reciprocation? Like what I mean by that is I feel like a lot of people are scared because it's a way that they reject their own demons. Um, I don't think a lot of people are that self-aware anymore, sadly enough. Like, true. I don't, I honestly speaking, like if I knew, I know a lot more than a hundred people, but if I knew only a hundred people, I would say only 20 people were really self-aware out of that hundred. So for those people, maybe, but those it, other it 80, a, I don't think they've grown the rarer skill, uh, I should say. To me, self-awareness, I put it in the same the as, as critical thinking. Yeah. Very few people critically think anymore. Very few people are self-aware to a, a deep degree. It's scary, man. It's really scary. And and I'm not sure. I'm not sure when that switch changed from people having to think critically. Like I remember being in school and they literally were like, critical thinking is a ski that's gonna a ski, a skill that's gonna help you get through life. So we're gonna figure that out now. I remember people, teachers to saying be fair, this it is a skill that helps with that. The problem is and, a lot and of it's don't weird. use it. Yeah, and it's weird that people either don't use it or never had it. Right. And a lot of those people are older than us. So that's even more scary because it's like, as they say, you can't teach your old dog new tricks, but that ain't true, man. You can teach your old dog new tricks. It just takes longer. We just don't have the patience to, to, to stay the course and make sure that old dog understands his new trick. Ours. All right, we're now, I don't know, 30 minutes in. I don't think we've ever gone this far since episode two before we started doing this, but well, we so got to do it. So 43. 43. <laughs> 43. Yeah. I, you know, because I, I, I didn't want to interrupt any of that conversation because it was that good. But mm-hmm. who you got? 43. My 43 is an athlete that I believe, and this could be my own personal bias because just of the person that he, that, that person is, the area that they played in, all of that kind of good stuff. But my number 43 is a man, professional football player, who came in at five foot six inches, which really means he's five, four and a half, weighed 190 pounds, which is absolutely crazy that somebody who's five, six or five, four and a half could weigh 160 pounds. He went to Olith North in Kansas as a high school, went to Kansas State for college, got drafted in 2005, round four, pick 130 for the San Diego Chargers from 2005 to 2010, New Orleans Saints from 211 to 213, the Eagles from 2014 to 219, current personal consultant of the Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl champion, second team All-Pro in 2014, three-time Pro Bowl in 2014, to through 2016 he's on the san diego chargers 50th anniversary team nfl 2010's all decade team which is so rare to have first team all american first team all big 12 two-time all big 12 this man holds the record for most all-purpose yards in a season you think what was that will he be a hall of famer call it now he should be but he will not be because the the way in which they look at those things doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but who am I, you know? Uh, and I said that he's five, four and a half, even though it's listening at five, six, because you know, athlete yeah, height. Yeah, we know it's good. 
And NFL records that he's hold most combined total return yards in two game playoff span, 602 in 2008. That's insane. So most all purpose yards in a single season, 2011 at 2,696. Most receiving touchdowns by a person shorter than five feet seven inches at 32. He has a Chargers franchise record for most career kickoff return yards at 6,469. Sanity. Saints franchise record for most all-purpose yards in a season, 2,696. And the Eagles franchise record for most career punt return touchdowns at four, tied with Deshaun Jackson. Darren Sproles, or I, I like to Darren affectionately Sproles. call I like to call him Darren Sproleo-Leolio. So Darren Sproles is my number 43, somebody who in my mind should be a Hall of Famer but won't be a Hall of Famer unless he get inducted by the Hall of Fame Players Association, I think, whatever it's called, yeah. who vote players in after the fact. I mean, that's a lot of accolades. That, that, that feels like a Hall of Famer. One of the I more, agree, One of the most reliable third down backs. And obviously, like, he was much more than that. Um, like, I feel like my, my first memories of Darren Sproles was – Probably the ones I can remember best are probably like his early years with the Saints, where he was kind of the the Swiss Army knife while they had Reggie and Deuce mm-hmm. and, and and that whole gang, and he was just like Deuce McAllister, yeah, pre Pierre Thomas, but that's another one. And then it was like, but that that was the guy who was like, if he was on the field, that was the guy you were you were watching out for. You know what's crazy about that? He was considered more dangerous from the punt and kick return than Reggie Bush. And Reggie Bush, in my eyes, is the greatest college running back of all time outside of Barry Sanders. He was – That says a lot. R- Reggie Bush was, like, the first college athlete to go viral on the internet. To me. It was him and, like, Ted Ginn for me growing up. Where it was like – I remember watching the two of them before YouTube – on like Google mm-hmm. videos when they had like that shitty little platform. I used mm-hmm. to watch the, their highlight tapes. I still remember Ted Ginn had one uh, and the song behind it was Black Betty, him at Ohio State. And I watched it like almost every day at school. So, so, so here's a question for you. You said on the internet, are you talking about YouTube or the internet? I mean, because I was, I wanted to say YouTube, but I was watching them pre YouTube. No, no, but you said on the internet. So, all right, so these are different questions. Well, I, I should also, I should also add the caveat of age. When but, I was coming of age on the internet, those were our guys. The but way this, Akil this, Carr was for other people a few years younger than me. No, but I, I, what I was about to say was because Mike Vick at Virginia Tech was pre YouTube, but we all saw those motherfucking highlights. Like, who the fuck is this? Like, this is insane what this guy is doing. He's a quarterback? How? I don't yeah, see him see, I, wasn't, I wasn't seeing that stuff. So that's what I was like. Yeah, so I, I guess for, for people that, that are exactly my age, 25, 26, mm-hmm. 27, because um, you got a couple years on me, like, that, those were the guys I grew up on watching. Okay. And because then because like, then it's like one of those things too where like you had the Devin Hesters of the world at Miami. You had yeah, like like it was like yeah, there was so I, many- I, I came to like uh a consciousness of what football was mm-hmm. apart from just the Patriots, probably oh four, like I was probably eight or nine. I grew up in a much more, as you know, a much more baseball household. Than football, like that's what my family cared about more. 
that's what I was raised on. You know, I was, I was raised going to Fenway. I still like never have been to Gillette for a Patriots game, which is crazy because I've been to multiple away games, but that, that that's more of a local thing. If you're from new England and you know what it's like to drive to Gillette stadium on a game day, even for like an MLS game day and how bad that can be for to watch an MLS team that can't even come close to selling that out. <laughs> it's miserable. It's out in the middle of nowhere. There's one road in, one road out. That's why we got to go together and get an Airbnb right next to the stadium. Facts. I, hey, I'm in. I'm <laughs> considered done. I'm in. I think that'd be so dope. I think that'd be ill. Yeah, let, let's let's for sure do that next year. I'm I'm down. So I got to ask you a question. Do you think EA Sports when they bring back NCAA football in 2025, which is crazy to think, it's going to take that long? How many people do you uh, put on the cover? It can't be one, right? Oh no, I'm, I'm asking my question first. Okay, because go ahead. I think Sorry. my question leads into you. I think my question ahead, leads ADD into thing. your question. ADD thought, but yeah, go ahead. No, but I think my question leads into your question. Should they create an all band team, like the players, the NCAA Ooh. players who got the Heisman's taken, who got banned, who got the record stripped? I think that would be ill. <laughs> like, it'll be like OJ Simpson. Uh, I'm putting Reggie Bush. Aaron Hernandez is in there. His All American plaque. His Aaron, his plaque. Fun fact for those that don't know. Maurice Claret would be in there. Yep. No, but the Aaron Hernandez one. Fun fact for those that don't know. If you ever go down, I don't know why you just go to why you just be in Gainesville, Florida. But if you go down to the swamp for a game, they have a brick outside the stadium in one of the corners for everyone that's ever had an All American season there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this little part of it is like the Pounceys, which like they still have theirs. Shout out to the Pounceys and Maurice Pounceys. You, you know who's that. just under Aaron Hernandez? Caleb Sturgis. Eagles Ooh, legend. Yep. Yeah, baby. And then there's just one blank brick right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> they, blew, they filled it in and blanked it out. And everyone knows who it is. Like they haven't filled it in with a new name. There's like, Oh, there's just one more All-American from 2011. How do you feel about that? <laughs> do you think that's how we should handle it? Or should we just leave shit what it is and have people Ooh. be mad? Because I think that, that's a loaded question. I'm, I'm a person who... Someone's going to twist my word. Like, what should we do with... I can separate art from artists. I can separate art from artists. I can. Like, what you did on a football field has Aaron Hernandez. Off when, of when, when Aaron Hernandez and Gronk were there at the same time, Aaron Hernandez... Was better. I, I was going to say, no pun intended, was more dangerous of a receiver. Why can't you just live with better? You had to go dangerous. Because he wasn't to... better all around. Gronk was a way better blocker, but Hernandez did stuff that other no okay. other tight end could do. As like he was like Kyle Pitts. As you as a Patriot fan, I'm going to ask yeah. you the five characteristics that I take in tight ends. You tell me who was better. And okay. then whoever has the most is the best all around. That's how I'm okay. going to take it. Okay. I'll, I'll give you. Blocker. Gronk. Yards after catch. Hernandez. Route running. Mm. Um, I, I'd probably. This is actually it, like the reason I'm hesitating is it's it, that one's Hernandez, but the more I'm also thinking about yards after the catch because of Gronk's toughness, he was able to just like drag people until his body stopped working. But I'll, I'll give Aaron Hernandez two one. I'll give you two one. Sign an autograph for me. That's 3-1. <laughs> Gave me an all-time funny fantasy football team name. Uh, the the ability to find the end zone. Gronk. Okay, so now this is four questions and we're two up. This will decide it for me. Okay. 
excuse me, the ability to always get open, even if you're not open. Like, I have to give that to ground. I have to. Really? Yeah. And, you know, the, the reason okay, I say that, wins. I mean, I, I can tell you what game puts it over the edge for me, which, in fairness, isn't probably fair to Aaron Hernandez because he was dead at this point. But um, the AFC Championship in Denver. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Are you talking when they were on the same team? No, yeah. no, no, no. I was going to say, I firmly believe that we as Americans, American sport fans, mm-hmm. don't actually acknowledge how tragic the Aaron Hernandez story is mm. because he is a convicted murderer. Like, no question. No question. Yeah. That's insane. Like, when you said that, I like, also, I, knew I, also, that. I also haven't watched any of the documentaries because I know it's going to make me too sad. Dude, the fact that she was like he was already dead at this point, and I knew what you was talking about, and I knew he was already dead. Yeah, I, I, I definitely under, undersold that, maybe for some sort of comedic effect. But the fact that that's a comedic effect is sad. And it's, like it's, when, it's, when they looked at his brain at age, I don't even know how old he was when he passed. Maybe twenty five. They're like this guy. He was twenty seven when he died. Twenty seven. And they when they looked at his brain, they're like this guy had the CTE of that was like the deterioration of a 90 plus year old person. And the crazy thing is he only played three seasons. He only played three seasons. And I met him twice, which obviously, you know, maybe a total of six minutes interacting with this person. Mm-hmm. But, but I met him once at like an autograph signing. I'm not even going to count that because like he's in a line, he's just signing shit for people, but mm-hmm. was nice. And then I met him another time at Patriots training camp. And, like, caught him coming up, and he was, like, going to talk to his family. And I was, like, trying to get his autograph. Or I, I, knowing myself, I was, like, yo, can I get your gloves? Like, I was trying to get my memorabilia or whatever. And he, like, took time to, like, just stand there and, like, talk for a bit and be, like, it was, like, the nicest, sweet. Like, he was very soft-spoken, very, like, mm-hmm. he seemed like the nicest guy. Like, I remember when all the news broke, and I was just, like, it can't be. It can't be right. Cause like, you know, one time they're doing something as an obligation, but even then, like, if, even if you're doing something as an obligation, like an autograph signing and you're nice, you know, I, I worked, I've worked with professional athletes, but I worked mm-hmm. with the Red Sox. I was in, you know, I, I would be there on the field during batting practice. You can tell who's nice to people versus people who sign, who were put on a show and like, yeah. or not, not even put on a show. Some people just walk right by. But, but like some oh, people yeah. sign stuff because they feel like it's this obligation that they need to That's do. That's what I mean by put on the show where it's like you're doing it because you know you have to do it. Yeah. But like I'm trying to think of of someone. I don't know that I want to like throw names out there. But like let me give you an example of and this is someone until I'm red in the face will always go to bat for as a human being is Brock Holt. Mm-hmm. Um, who for people that don't know educate yourselves literally one of the nicest humans I've, I've ever had the opportunity of being around working in sports, even at a base level. Um, but like, I remember being with some kids down in the, we were in the Red Sox dugout during BP cause they, they were on this tour or whatever. And, and I kind of took them from the parents. I was like, Hey, let's go, you know, walk around a little bit, see if we can get you guys some autographs. And I was still fairly new and you know, Reese knows me quite well and can probably imagine this to be the case. Like when I'm around the Red Sox, 
I'm going to fanboy a little bit. Like, like I, I remember talking to my boss, they're like, yeah, just like go grab someone and like ask them to sign for, for the kid. And I was like, I feel really awkward about that. It, this was like <laughs> one of my first weeks. This is like literally one of my first weeks. It was like Mookie Betts is walking by. Like, I'm not going to go grab Mookie Betts. Like, I'm just not going to yeah. do that. Um, and so like, I'm kind of sitting there and at this point, like I'm in my head too, where I'm like, damn, I really should be doing this for these kids. But like, I, I really, really feel uncomfortable. Like, like these are still like some of my heroes, right. Or not my heroes at this point, but like, these are people that I don't, I don't, on a game day, I'm not going to go. And Brock Holt was the most consistent guy about like, if he just saw a kid, like he would like completely divert his path. He's like, I'm, I got to go talk to that guy. Like, I got to go talk to that kid. And there are some dickheads in the organization. Um, some of which probably is just like, don't catch them on a game day or like, it's their start day. You're not going to talk to them. I get that. There are other people that like, if, if they made eye contact with a kid, yeah, they're going to go over and sign the cool, whatever. But like, and, and I also say this as someone who was an autograph Hawk growing up, <laughs> there's a lot of people i remember where i was like that's yeah. a, that was a good person sean figgins yeah. sean figgins and it's sean it's not even sean. like showing a sean figgins like sean figgins so this is a weird sidebar tangent tangential story um mike cameron another guy that like gave me his batting gloves i brought him back a couple weeks later he signed them for me super nice guy wait wait, anyway. wait, wait. mike cameron mike cameron who who is he known for? Like Price Seattle. Yeah, that name. Yeah, that's what it is. I I, I can hear. Yeah, I he, 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 he was with the Sox for like a half a year. But Sean Figgins. Um, so there was a it's Sean Figgins. Sean. Sean Figgins. Chone. Chone. Yeah, like Terrell, not Terrell. I, I, Terrell. Growing up, growing up, I thought there was two Figgins on the Angels. No, one named Sean. <laughs> One named Sean and one named Chone. I was never able to put two and two together. Um, but so I was probably 13, 14, 15, maybe. I, I don't remember. He, he was playing for the Mariners, speaking of Seattle. And we had made some connections through my mom's work or different people that we knew at the time. And someone had some network person that was like, oh, you have tickets? Like, give me a call when you get here. I'll take you down to the field level and just like take you down, put you on the field for BP. So we did that. Cool. We'd done that once. And my aunt who Reese's uh, met got me tickets to this Mm -hmm. uh, game against the Mariners. And I was like, let me reach out to this lady and see if we can go down. And she takes us down the field. So me and my honor down there, it's just the two of us. And and I'm, I'm trying to hawk for everyone. I got my baseball cards ready. I got like other shit to get signed and like, like Ichiro's coming out and he's like, oh, I'll sign on the way back. He didn't do that. I, I still love Ichiro. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> but Sean Figgins and like, I, I will remember this for the rest of my days. Like it, it was that memorable of a moment as simple as it was. It was like, Hey, Sean, can you sign? And he mm-hmm. just like turned to me and he was like, you're missing a word there. Or he said something along those lines. He's like, you're missing yeah. over there. I was like, oh, can you please sign? It's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And so he comes over, he signs some stuff. And like, we're just talking, like literally just humans. And he's not like the tallest guy, not to be mean to him. But like, it was like, I was like, basically eye contact with him. And he was just talking about like, you know, man, hey, I appreciate you saying please. Like that, that means a lot to us, blah, 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 blah. And 
he goes out, does a couple more rounds of BP. He comes into the dugout. Obviously, all the other ball hawks or the autograph hawks are like above the dugout and they're yelling yeah. at him now. They're screaming at him, Sean, Sean, sign this, sign this. And I remember, I, I don't even remember how he did it. He just like shut them all up and like he he usually like, hang on, hang on, hang on to all the all the people that were above the dugout. And he turns to me and like I was like still right by their dugout. And he's like, you know, tell them what they need to do to me. Or and he was like, Ivan, <laughs> I, he was like, Ivan, tell them what they need to do. Like he remembered my name. I remember even. And I was like, yeah, you just gotta say, please. <laughs> and, and like, but like for a 13 year old kid, that's like the coolest thing in the world. This guy that you've grown up watching play the, your favorite sport. And you're like, yeah, like I'll, I'll be a Sean Figgins fan in, in until I die. But um yeah, no, like there's a lot of those memories. But yeah, Aaron Hernandez is another one who was like one of the nicest people as an athlete, seemingly in my interactions. And and I feel like the one thing I've always heard said about him was, I mean, he grew up in Connecticut in some real bad areas with some real bad influences on him. Um, and I've always wondered if he got drafted by the Chargers, mm-hmm. what, what changes, hmm. you know, because for those that don't know, Foxborough is like not that close to Boston. Like you're basically in Rhode Island, Connecticut anyway. Yeah. So like I've always kind of, and maybe it's me trying to look for the good in people. I've just always kind of said, you know, like, cause he's still gotten some trouble at Florida. Like I know he got in fights or whatever, but like, yeah, I've just always said like, man, if you didn't get drafted so close to home, could it have been better? I, I think it could have been better. I do think that because of how damaged his brain was, it was going to come there, out. There's always going to be something. Yeah. If it wasn't three years, then it might have been 10 years like Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that he might not have ended up being a murderer or in a gang member because he well, was yeah. home. Yeah. We're talking about like different bars to clear here of like what's yeah. different. You know, I'm not saying like he would have been, you know, let's talk about our guy. Like, I don't know that he would have been Marshawn, whereas like well, yeah. he's taking care of his community and like, 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 I don't know that he had that in him. I, I don't. But then but then again, he might, because there are people who, I mean, we dig at him and we, we, we mess with him, but we appreciate him to a certain degree. I think that we both believe Brendan Shaw has CTA because he's oh, mentioned it multiple, multiple. But he, he is somebody who, if he's in with you, he takes care of you. And he rides, even when it's to his detriment, even when it's not funny, even when it's overdone, he still rides for his team. So he probably could have had that in him. And, and it's just, I think it just depends on his ability to be free. Cause like you said, if he got drafted by the Chargers, right? That's San Diego at that time. Right. San Diego is close enough to San Francisco where if he really was a gay man or he was a bisexual. I mean, not, that's man, not that close to San Francisco. I'm talking about compared to any other part. Oh, any yeah. other, um, unless you'd be drafted I'm just, by the Raiders. I'm just saying, like, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of places closer to San Francisco. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about football wise, only yeah, the yeah, Raiders yeah. and the Niners could have yeah. been drafted to. Yeah, that could have been. Because that whole area, not that whole area, a lot of that area is queer friendly. Yep. So if he was able to get drafted to a California team, a Northern California team, and he could be a bisexual, gay man, whatever, a pansexual, whoever he was at that time, mm-hmm. and he could just be free, the Odin yeah. Lloyd killing probably wouldn't even have happened because allegedly it was because he was going to get outed. You know what I mean? So it's like one of these things mm-hmm. where I think that it was a combination of him being home, the gang members in his life, him poss- him possibly being closeted, whatever it may be, and then it all spilling over into him being a professional athlete, and then it just went left, and, and him ended up um, killing himself. 
So it is one of these things where I think that it just takes a person. I think it takes a person the ability to actually live their truth that allows them to pick a different path or like somebody like Brendan Schaub, I think he's living his truth. Like he knows his first stand-up special wasn't funny. Like he's been on record being like, yeah, it was too I'll, early. I'll let soon. you know if I think it was funny when I watch it. You're never going to watch it, but I'm going to play it at your funeral. That's how I know you're never going to watch it. I'm literally, I'm like, he motherfucker going to watch it now. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just be happy that you outlive me. I'm not going to outlive you. I'm a, Casper, I'm a Casper that shit. I'm going to come through. <laughs> like, where'd the TV come from? Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna be you. You're, that's where we'll be hoping that there's some sort of afterlife. And you're gonna be like, watch this bitch. <laughs> Welcome to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to hell, motherfucker. So gonna wake up to Tupac's house. We got this John on loop. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wonder. I wonder whose house we wake up next to in hell. Like that. That was like. like that's uh, a wild I, I'm gonna ask you this question, and then I'll give you my my 43. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I I will say, you know, behind the curtain for for anyone listening, all three of you. I kind of like the way we're doing it this week uh, of like just having random conversations instead of forcing the, the numbers up front. Um, mm-hmm. But the, this is a question from it was Barstool's, I think it was Barstool's like card game where they compiled all these voicemails that they had gotten on one of their podcasts. Wait, Barstool's over card game. I don't know what that is. Yeah. So like one of their, one of their podcasts that had been really centered around like listener voicemails um okay. and had been going for like i leave the best strong. voicemails by the way all three of you listening maurice copman leaves the best voicemails i go i'll wild on people's voice note bells because i feel like if you didn't answer my phone call now i'm going to literally say the most ridiculous shit in your <laughs> voicemail and i'm not and if you and if you didn't listen to the voicemail when you call me back i'm like yo you heard a voicemail no nah, i'm hanging up on you and saying you to go listen well you go listen to the voicemail and holla at me later <laughs> but so they, they had all these hypotheticals, all these would you rathers, all these like, would you do this for X amount of money? And one of them that they had, and they turned it into a card game, basically like a, it's a good, Are it's a good game of, uh, it's, it's, but it's not, it's not like a playing cards thing. It'd be like, I pull a card, ask you the question, you you have to answer. So, oh, so it was like ask the internet. That's what they call it. Yeah. That is oh. the game. That's theirs. That. Yeah, okay. yeah I know that, but I didn't yeah. know there was a voicemail. Okay. There. Yeah, no, a, a lot of those are just compiled voicemails from over the years. Oh, actually, the internet's fantastic. Yeah. So, but there's the one where it's like, all right, you're in, in charge of controlling heck, which is the place. Heck. Okay. Yeah. Which is the place for people who aren't quite bad enough to go to hell. So it's, it's hell adjacent purgatory. It's hell adjacent purgatory, but slightly above actual hell. What do you do to yeah. that? purgatory it's like it's yeah. like you're not in hell but you it's warm it's not hot it's warm yeah it, <laughs> it's, it's like purgatory but they've already decided you're not going to heaven so we're just going to put you like one tier closer oh so so we can call this juvenile life you know what i'm saying yeah. like, like yeah, works, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's juvie hell yeah so it's like what, what do you do hell. and the best answer i've ever heard for it just to give you an idea is but I, I feel like you're gonna come up with something creative so that's why i want to throw it out there to you <laughs> but the best answer i ever have was um it was some comedian and said i'm gonna put put the person basically in like a petting zoo of the mm-hmm. cutest puppies ever and they're not allowed to touch them mm. <laughs> you mm. imagine that i mean like imagine like a white girl in that situation like, like not to fully stereotype, but also to fully stereotype, mm-hmm. that'd be torture. <laughs> that is, that's fucked up. That is fucked up. I think well, the, what would the you one do with that, that? 
I don't I don't think I don't think mine is that good, but compared to that one, I think that I would put a person, I, I will make a person smell the greatest meal they've ever had on repeat, like on loop, but all they can eat is ice cubes. Mm. <laughs> so it's like it's like you, you're actually eating something, but that shit was melting away. So you're staying hungry, but you think you're eating shit, but you keep smelling the greatest shit ever, and you're just like, I can't do anything about this. Like I think that that would be that would be I just thought of another ones. one would be. Like you have someone that like they're trying to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Like this is like and this is the beauty of the game. It's like the most random shit pops in your head. I've never thought about this before, and it just popped in my head. Be like, yeah, that would be miserable. Is you're trying to fall asleep, and like right as you're about to fall asleep, every single time, someone just starts clicking a pen in your ear. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Like that. I like that. I got, I got another one. Let's keep going. I like, I got another one. <laughs> okay, go. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to eat for 24 hours. And then okay. the only time you can break fast, if you choose to, so you get a choice, is if you eat like a baby bird, like somebody's spitting it into your mouth. Like that's how you get the chance to eat. Like you can't eat any other kind of way. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm giving you a choice because it's heck. So like you have a choice to eat or not. Okay, like, I, I kind of like that. The, the the choice is a nice a nice addition there. But yeah, no, you can just fast. That's that's cool. Yeah, you can just fast. Uh, I I hate I hate that I just cooked right before we recorded, and now <laughs> when I eat that food tomorrow, I'm gonna look at it with memories of this conversation. <laughs> you're welcome. It's the gift that keeps giving. I, I don't know how you're gonna make chicken peppers and like pasta bad, but you're gonna do it. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I've I've made I've made women in this world who are the pinnacle of prosperity worse after they left me. So I think I can make chicken. That's fucked up. Cut that out. Timestamp that as Stevie Weeby would say. That's that's getting run. No, but 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 hey, it's just to circle back. I think that's again. There's a beauty in equilibrium. You're supposed to make changes in people for the better or for worse. <laughs> go or actually no you, no no we're gonna tease that i'm gonna give you my 43 and we're gonna circle back to that I'm yes yes please do please do that. please do so my 43 and i like that you went sprawls because you got a little hometown flair in there got mine to. does as well mine does as well and this is someone that i've grown to love even more over the last six years or so as a broadcaster for one of my local teams um but it is one of the greatest dual threats in the history of his sport at his position, at a position that they're, they're really no longer the same dual threats in. It's him and maybe one other person that you put in this class. Mm. Um, this is baseball we're talking. We're talking pitching. Mm. Say who can start and who can close. Mm. And I'm talking about a guy who's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Cy Young. Mm-hmm. MVP. World mm. Series champ mm. may or may not have given up a really famous home run in the World Series, but still a part of history. Six Fuck time All Star, you did. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player. I think he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster in terms of his ability to do so, and Hall of Fame hair, Hall of Fame lettuce, as he would say. <laughs> Hall of Fame lettuce, baby. It's the Eck. It's Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, Dennis Eckersley. Like, was he on the all-decade team too? Um, because he was nasty. I mean, he played twenty-four years, which is yes. 
such a long yes. time. That's why I asked that because I'm like, he had to be on eight all decade team. Like, I, mean, I don't know that they've really done all decade teams. I mean, he had to be for like the eighties. Yeah, they used to. They did the uh, the gold. I think it was the gold, the silver, the centennial teams, all that kind of stuff. So he might. He, he, he was definitely on on one of those teams. Yeah, I mean, he's be. gotta be for the all eighties team because he was. A I mean, problem. I mean, uh, uh, first of all, cut cut all that out at thirty seven in nineteen ninety two. Except so for the hair. I, don't don't cut the hair out. Everything but the no, hair. no. Well, how dare you suggest such yeah, a thing? Yes. Um, he also has his own dictionary. He there's a a uh, it's great Twitter account for anyone uh, that wants to learn a little more with him as a broadcaster because he uses like his own vernacular. It's called the Actionary. It's one of the few things I have a post notifications on for on Twitter. Um, and he's an absolute legend. But you know, we talk about like his best decade was probably the eighties. And in- but 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 wait 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 yeah. When Ivan says his best decade, that's a hard thing to even say because he didn't really have a bad decade. It was just like, no. what's the best of the greatest of the decades? Yeah. No, again, like you'd be like, oh, you have to pick 10 years. Like he didn't yeah. finish the 1990s. So I guess it has to be the 80s. Yeah. That, 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 and that's but he won, he won the Cy Young and the MVP in 1992 at age 37. Think, think about so the he, pitchers, first of all, that have won the Cy Young and the MVP. Then think, think about the, the ones that are in the same same year. And is he the white satchel about, page? Sure, I'm fine with calling him that. I mean, I'm just saying, you, like you, he was. You great know, I got satchel up here. I got satchel up on yeah. the wall. I'll put I'll put Eck in that same conversation. I mean, because it like, feels a little pictures sacrilegious. Pictures typically are not sacrilegious. Pitchers are typically not great after like 32, 33. Like they tend to burn the fuck out if they're great. Thirty seven. Yes. And, and let, let me give you those numbers when he was thirty seven. Again, wins and losses, not a true reflection of wins a Wins and losses is bullshit to me. Just like, but I do think it adds to his year this year. Seven and one. This is him mm-hmm. pitching as a reliever, which means you may have came in with a, a tie game. You Ooh, won that game. Or a losing game. Yeah. You went seven and one with a 191 ERA. That's the truth. 191. 191. Wait, this is what year? 92. 92, age 37 with the A's. Okay. 51 saves and finished 65 games. And back then they used to pitch like three innings. It wasn't like you come yeah, in. He, he was getting true saves. Yeah. He, he might have been like him and Smoltz were probably the last guys to get true saves. Shout out to Smoltzy, another person who well, could well, start games and finish. Well, well, that's why I say there's two guys in my yeah. eyes that are that du- that true double and as a pitcher. Scratch golfer. Scratch golfer. Is he just a legend? He has games. to be good at everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> he is, and, and he's a broadcaster. Smoltz is the man. No, Smoltz is a bad broadcaster. I like I, John I Smoltz. Listen, I don't listen to Braves games. Sorry, it's not Braves games. He does national games, which is an issue. He was doing the World Series this year, and this it did my nut in 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 uh, in the playoffs. He was like, did you just say it did my. Did you just say it did my yes, th- That's how bad we're, it is. We're, we're quite ripe. This has been a great no, episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> let, let me tell you why. I have to be white about it because it's that bad. It did my nutting. He's a Hall of Famer. Literally one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and mm-hmm. he would be like, "They're down. They need to score two points to tie the game." What he said? Points. Points. I'm not kidding. 
I'm not kidding at all. I remember watching with my dad this this uh, past offseason. I was like, like I started being like, is he the first baseball player with CTE somehow? Like, what is he thinking? Like, like he's too good of a baseball player to call it anything other than runs. All right, all right. I'm shoot. I'm shooting smoke to some bell. Maybe he's so great at being a baseball player that in his mind. He's doing points for everything that happens on the field. So like a a four six two double play is like this many points, wish. points on the I board. Wish. I wish. I'm trying to shoot him some bell, and I'm a Phillies <laughs> fan trying to shoot a brave some bell. So like I don't know, I don't know how he got to that point. No, I I, I love Smolty, and he I, he played from he played for the Sox, not particularly well, but he was all right. But yeah. it, it I will say <laughs> this past off season, like or this past postseason, mm-hmm. put a damper on his reputation me a little bit in that third tier uh, okay but i'm, I'm happy he's a good golfer back. i'm happy he's a good golfer but yeah he's a great golfer he's like a scratch, yeah, golfer. A scratch like, golfer yeah you're right that's yeah. a great golfer but yeah eckersley is a broadcaster um for those that don't know the red sox had who in my opinion which is very biased the best play-by-play broadcaster um up until 2015 don orsillo and because of politics of the ownership group that owned the broadcasting studio they forced him out He's out balling and being happy in San Diego. Love him. Hope all is well. But they kind of had Eck come in after the fact. Um, and he is so funny. He's also so not biased, which is rare in local coverage. Like mm-hmm. he got, he almost got in a fight on the team plane with David Price because he like uh, one, one of their guys was on a rehab start down in AAA and he mm-hmm. was like, um, was like, oh, you know, four runs in two innings. That's gross. Like, and he See, said that on the broadcast. And David Price, being a good teammate, like, stood, was like, yeah. fuck you. I remember whatever. that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. But, like, but like he, I, I would say he's also stuff. he's also so more team pitcher than team Red Sox. Like, anytime but, there's a close to me, he's like, I got to have that. I got to have but, that. But, <laughs> but I, I would say this, though. I think that usually, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the greater the player, the more judicious they are about the way that they present the game. Like, you've never heard Michael Jordan talk about how great the Bulls are when he wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't cape for the Bulls even before he owned the Hornets. Like, it was never really that thing. Like, I think that great players love great teams and great players, so they give them the credit. Yeah, where he, players he loves who pitchers. The, he loves pitching. Play, yeah. yeah, players who are in the hall are very good, I think, cape for their hometown teams. Mm-hmm. Like, the players yeah, who are like, like Tommy yo, Hunt, like, Tommy Hines is a Hall of Fame player. He's in the Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. He's still a local mass kid. Like he's a mass hole. Yeah. You know, or exactly. like or David like Wells. Jerry Remy. Jerry Remy, rest in peace. When he was, the, you know, Red Sox color guy, there was never a question about where his allegiances were. Donovan McNabb, when he talks about the Eagles and everything like that, he like like I think Donovan McNabb to me is a Hall of Famer, but that could just be my bias shooting through. I think he's a fringe Hall of Famer. Where like. He can get in. He cannot get in. I think it's like a fifty. I think it's a fifty-one forty-nine thing. Is he a sports but hall of famer. You think? No, he was not that great on Syracuse basketball team. He just happened to play. Julius Peppers is a oh, sports hall of famer. Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates. Tony Gonzalez. Sports hall of famers. It was like, damn, you could have went pro him. Jimmy Graham didn't achieve enough, probably. Right? No, nah, no, nah, Jimmy Graham didn't achieve it. But, 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 you know what's funny about that? If you actually pull up Jimmy Graham's numbers, he's probably going to go to the NFL Hall of Fame. But the thing is. He was on a trajectory to be so much greater than he is, but the injuries caught up to him. But yeah. you got to remember, tight ends 
almost didn't do anything in the NFL when it comes to receiving well, until it, what, like the eighties. One one thing that I think that sets him apart in terms of the history of the game was he was the first guy that was so great that they had to fuck him over on the franchise tag based on the fact that he was a tight end instead of a wide receiver. Do you remember that whole saga? Yeah, I remember. I remember because he wanted to get paid as a wide receiver instead of a tight end because he spread yeah. a lot more. Yeah, and they were like, nah, we're going to pay you as a tight end. And, like, but, he but, lost that battle. But, like, that's, you, that is how great he was at his peak. Do you, do you think that he is in the same Gilbert Arenas um, category where Ooh. he got paid a lot of money that's after he was great and never lived up to that money? Like, Gilbert Arenas, I heard, I heard a great quote today from Gilbert Arenas, and I heard him, literally heard him say it. He was like, I got paid $65 million to play 19 games. Motherfucker, I'm the GOAT. Like how who that's goat shit right there. Like I got paid, I played 19 games. I, mean, I, and made I, I can't five million dollars. So it's hard, it's hard to disagree with that. I that's, haven't that's that. three, I think it's 3.9 million dollars per game. That almost that, like I know the math is right. <laughs> that almost feels low. Like, like that disparity of <laughs> versus money. Like, like I know the math is right. That has to be wrong. Dude, that's <laughs> insane. That's definitely more money. That's insane. And the crazy thing is. That sixty-five million dollars came after he was hurt, right? Was that after the gun shit or before? Yeah, that was that was before the gun shit. But he got paid in his career one hundred and twenty million dollars. So he made like sixty. He made like fifty-five before the that shit happened. What was KG? Was KG the first two two hundred? No, Shaq was. I think. I think KG was the first. I think KG made. 250 or some crazy maybe, shit like maybe that. Some of that. Okay. I think he's the first one to go past like 250, almost 300. Like, in you know this probably better than me, Ben, in Boston area. Is it? I, I looked into this, but I couldn't find a real results from it. Is it true that KG is basically broke? Because like all of that money he made, well, allegedly, it got stolen by like business partners and shit like that, which is I wild. I remember there because. being some stuff like that. And that, and that's also why he went to the Timberwolves because the Timberwolves went promised back. him ownership. Yeah. They promised him ownership if he played for them, and then they reneged on it after Flip Saunders died, and so he got left holding the bag and fucking up his career statistics. Because if you think about it, if KJ would have retired before he went back to the Timberwolves, he would have been, I think, only the third player in NBA history to average tw- at least twenty points, at least ten rebounds, and at least like two blocks per game. Because Tim Duncan fucked his up too; he averaged like nineteen point something because he played a little bit too long. So KG would have been like one of three players, but he went back to the Timberwolves because they promised him ownership role. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he made three hundred twenty-six point three million in his career. LeBron just changed, re- LeBron just passed him. He KG. This, this was when this article agency. did. This, did you know yeah, that KG this was the reason why they changed free agency? Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope I, I don't know. I hope he's not dealing with money shit. He doesn't deserve that. I don't know though. I, I, I couldn't speak enough to it, probably, to be fair, but I hope not. Why do you why why do you think in your opinion? Why do you think in your opinion, if you have an opinion about this, because we never spoke about it, that franchises don't have things established within their franchise for franchise players like where no matter what happens after this point after billionaires, playing, I got, I got an billionaires are dickheads but it doesn't even have to be from the from the owners it could be the player association it should be but billionaires 
that are in the ownership groups are never going to agree to that in the CBA. But the thing about that is there's so much money going to the players association that they can put it at an escrow. You know what I'm saying? Like they could be like, we're going to take 1% from every salary and then retire players. Oh, so oh, like pension plans and all that stuff. If you were a franchise player, like a franchise player, they can define it as 10 years with a team, five years, finals, whatever it may be. And you are always until the until a certain point in time in your life, you're going to get this amount of money per year to make sure you're good. And that Tom Walker could have used that. Huh? Twan could have used that. A lot of people could have used that. I, I, don't, I don't think Twan could have used it though, because the way he, he was, would have blown it. Yeah. Dude, he went through like 118 million or something crazy like that. Like, wasn't it, it was like something crazy? It was, it was, it was like it was a big number. Yeah, yeah. And I think what was he number seven in the 96 draft or something like that? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean he was he was getting bags. But you know what's crazy about Twan? I still don't think Antoine Walker gets enough appreciation for how great of an offensive player he was because he came in a time where you had to be a complete basketball player and he just wasn't. So like do you, do you think Antoine, it's all like, there's also an element of like how bad it went towards the end because of all the money mm-hmm. stuff? Like somehow mm-hmm. it's like people don't talk about him as much. I don't know. No one, no so. one talks about him. I mean, he was also I, in like reason, a golden era, like you said, of two-way players. Like he I came in at a time really where it was like was. you're a big, you're like a stretch forward. You're getting compared to Tim Duncan, Dirk. Yeah, I, that's not I, fair. I think I think that's really what it was because people tried to do that with AI, but he led the league in steals like four times. So he was like, you can say I'm not a good defensive player, but I won defensive player of the year in college, which is crazy, by the way. People don't even know that Allen Iverson won defensive player of the year in college. Hard stop. But he also led the league in steals like four different times. So you can be like, yeah, I might not be the best on-ball defender because I'm fucking six foot tall. But I'm out here getting steals. I'm averaging five rebounds. That like, yeah, give me something. So he was, in a way, his own way of a two-way player. You know what I'm saying? Where, like, yep. Twan was just a straight offense. And I think that he it's got compared to – because he was a small forward. Guy. So he got paired to guy, compared to guys like Glenn Rice. He got paired to guys who technically were shooting guards last small forwards, like Kobe Bryant, like the Grant Hills, like all of these dudes in the 90s who were just dogs. And Antoine Walker was Clyde, a great – probably, yeah. He had great offensive player, but that was him. all it was. And I think that that's what fucked him over. And you know what's funny about that? I think that Dirk was going to be that same thing if he didn't win MVP in that championship. I think Dirk would have been forgotten because he was just an offensive player to a certain extent until he won that MVP and he won that championship where he played good defense. He rebounded the ball well. He went super – I call it he went super saiyan on, on the fucking heat. That's what I call it. He fucking – it was insane where like – You think we'll see a guy where he's the only all-star on a championship team again? The only see that's not even true though because he had four other all stars on no, that team, but they th- there were great players run. past their peak. But I'm saying, do you think we'll even ever see a year where a championship season from a team mm-hmm. and that season they only have one representative at the all star game? I don't know the stats on this, but I want you to look it up as our statistician of this podcast. Wasn't Dwayne Wade that when he won with the Heat in 06? Wasn't he yeah, the only all star on that team? I uh, Shaq might have been no. I don't know. Maybe. But, but, I'm, but know. again, I'm saying from this point on, that was still pre, like, the new super team era. Um, so this point on. Because hmm. I think you might be right. Um, so yeah, that would have been February of 06. No, Shaq was on that team. Shaq was on the team? Okay. Hmm. I would say... 
yes, because I would say yes, because usually if you are a top four team in either conference, you automatically get two all stars. So it like was an automatic have to be like um like this this is a weird example, but like the bubble suns where it's like they almost snuck in. Like it would have to be a team that just snuck in. That goes I can't even count them. I, I can't even count them because you have Chris Paul. No, no, I'm saying pre-Chris Paul. When they were in oh, the bubble in, or, in Orlando, when it was just book, where, like, they won out, they won those yeah. eight straight, and they still missed it. Like, it would have to be a team that barely makes the playoffs and, as a result, maybe only have nope. one rep. You can't even count them because you said championship team. You didn't say playoffs. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, it would have to be a team like that moving forward to win a championship. But those teams – But they're not going to. Spo- spoiler alert. No NBA team is going to do that probably I ever agree. in our lifetime because of the way the game is set up. And But the crazy thing is, like, if you think about it, though, the NBA is the, is the greatest league when it comes to not having parity and people who pretend like they don't care. To me, I, basketball is my, my favorite sport of all time. Box is number two. I'll be that way until the day I die, even though, you know, legends don't die and live forever. However, if you think about it, in the last, we talked about we talked about this ad nauseum. The last thirty-one years, and I say thirty-one because I'm living in thirty-one years, there has been less than ten NBA champions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there has been, I think, like less. I think coaches. there has been a total, but, but wait, wait, Ivan, I think there's been a total of twelve coaches who have won championships yeah, in thirty years. Yeah. It's like they think about that. There's been less than ten franchises who won championships in thirty-one years. It makes me wonder why I was wasting my time watching the NBA for so long. Let me like, let me make sure I'm right. Let me let me let me make sure I'm right. The Bulls, well, the the Pistons in 1990, yep, and then the, the Bulls, Bulls 91, 92, 93. Rockets, Rockets, Rockets back twice. Yeah, back to back. Then the Bulls, Bulls again, again. So that's still three. Then the Lakers. And the Spurs. And then the Spurs. Well, the Spurs. The Spurs were there before the Lakers. So yeah, the Spurs, Spurs. Then the Lakers. And the Lakers three repeated. And then it was in four. It was the Pistons. Detroit, French it was team. The Pistons, huh? I always call the Pistons a French team. Detroit. It was the Pistons, and then, then the Spurs after the again. Pistons in oh four or five. Yeah, we already have them, so that doesn't matter. So we're still only up to six. And then it was the fucking Celtics. No Heat, Heat, Heat. No Celtics six. won before the Heat, didn't they? Nope. Oh, so the Heat won before the Celtics? Heat really? Won, he, I thought the Heat beat LeBron in the Cavs. And then nah. LeBron went to the Heat, and then they went to the finals, but Dirk won. Nah, it went 04. So 04 was oh, the Pistons. 0405. Is that the Pistons? 0405. So 0304 was the Pistons. 0405 was the Spurs. Okay. So then 0506 was the Heat against the Mavs. Then 0607 yeah. was the Spurs sweep of Braun. Then mm-hmm. 0708 was Celtics. Okay. That's nine. And, and then, then it then went Lakers, Lakers again. back to back. Lakers back to and back. And then it went Heat. And it went Mavs. Mavs. Yep. And then the Heat. Yeah. Okay, so that's 11. And then you go back to Spurs and then, yeah. And you get into the Warriors. And then you got the Bucks And the Cavs. Cavs and the Bucks. Okay, so there's 13 champions in the last 31 years. Crazy. That's gross, dude. And that to me, that that's that speaks to owners, owners and sports teams. I firmly believe this as I was a kid. Everybody is not trying to win. Mm-mm. People just no. like the fact that they own chip. That's why I think that 
it shouldn't just be about money. So Dude, I'm saying I'm saying that right now. Like, I I just need I, maybe I just need to vent about this. Mm-hmm. Let it out. Let it out. But, but you you know where my allegiances lie and how deep they run. I am a Liverpool football club supporter, ride or die at this point. Part of the reason that I fell in love with them and it became a natural fit is because they had a shared owner as the Red Sox and Fenway Sports Group. Mm-hmm. I am now ride or die enough that I am vehemently supporting that they sell the club because they have, in my eyes, the best player in the world on current form. That's not all time. That I'm not going to go crazy. Best player in the world on current form, Mohamed Salah. All he wants is to be paid like at an equal level as the other top paid people in his league right now. And mm-hmm. somehow this has been a thing for like months that they're not paying. And I don't know who I need to blame. I don't know if it's John Henry. I don't know if it's uh, Tom Werner. I don't know if it's LeBron because he's part of the ownership group now. Mm-hmm. I'll blame them all. Pay the fucking man or sell the team. Okay, I digress. Go ahead. Uh, so, so no, 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 no. I think that was a beautiful rant because it leads into the point that I wanted to make is that I think that in order to these own aren't investment franchise in America, you need to prove your allegiance to that Cuban. actual team. As Cuban a is a real owner. So, so I think that. Uh, I just looked it up. Gerard is worth $90 million. It's not enough to buy Liverpool, but it's enough to buy a minority stake in Liverpool. But well, he's a head coach stake, now. I know, I know, but that's not ownership. What I mean by that is I think that if he's you put, a, get, put together, can, but yeah, I think that right. if you put together a team of people who are gonna buy Liverpool because it's gonna Liverpool's gonna sell for probably what 1.2 billion dollars or something crazy. More. Like it's gonna yeah, be, be more something wild. Two or three, so two or I think, three, I'd say. I think that the minority ownership. The percentages should change not by money, but by allegiance. So to me, Gerard should own 30% of that team or 33% of that team, which allows him to make decisions when it comes to the actual team. And because he has he, he's, 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 he's going to be their head coach in a couple of years. That's, that's a prediction. So the team value per Forbes calculated April 2021 was $4.1 billion. You're not getting 4.1 billion for a soccer team in today's world. I don't believe that. You don't think? I believe that's what the value is, but I don't think you're going to get it. It's like a house. This house is on the market for three hundred million dollars. You're probably going to get it for two fifty. They're they're number two in England. So okay, actually, what was the Newcastle? It's the Cow- Cowboys are number one, and then I think it goes. Was it Manchester United? Uh, no. So right as of so, I'm looking at the, at just the soccer list. Um, okay. just the just the soccer list went Barca, Real Madrid. Wait, I thought you were just talking about England. No, so they're second in England, just behind Manchester United. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I thought. But, yeah. but also, like, you know, I, I say they're fifth in soccer teams. I mean, we're talking billions with a B here. It's not that big a change, though. Like, Barcelona's 4.76. Liverpool's 4.1. And then there's Real Madrid, Bayern, and Manchester United. Between okay, that, but can I Manchester say something? United just behind, or City behind. Can I say something? The, one of the reasons why I say that value is bullshit is because all of the franchises you named in the top five are experiencing significant money issues. Mm-hmm. Barcelona got rid of Messi because they couldn't pay him. Yep. Not because they didn't want him. They can't even keep a coach. Like, and I'm a Barca fan. You know, I'm a Barca boy. So, like, even though that value is that what it's supposed to be, I think the number is just so great 
that it's almost impossible for anybody to come up with that money who isn't somebody who doesn't give a fuck about sports. So now you have, yeah. So like now you have people who are like literally, (laughs) so now you have people who are literally putting the money up because they have it, not because they want to. It's like the new, the the Newcastle takeover with the, um, like the, it's a Saudi Arabia public investment fund. Mm Mm-hmm that just bought out uh, Newcastle and they're worth like $400 billion. The, not the deal, obviously, but that group. So it's like, it. my, my fear is that's who has to do it. But at the same level, like at this point, you know, as a fan, I'm like, I'd rather have them do it. Cause they'll have no problem shelling out the amount that he wants to make. Like it's like, it's so crazy. Cause like, the, well, the thing that also pisses me off as, as it pertains to this ownership group is they just bought the Pittsburgh Penguins. Trash. Which that in and of itself doesn't bother me. but It bothers me. I, I know why it bothers you. And I, it also bothers me because I'm like, buy a team in your city. But anyway, it's one of those things where it's like, you're treating these just as investments. And yeah, you're, complete, all you're completely disparaging people that live and die by this. This was the whole thing with the uh, Super League. Um, when they wanted basically to play in a league with no relegation, only the top money clubs. And it would be like three or three to six people have to like earn their spot, but the rest of us are entitled to it. And it was all the American owners that were like most behind that or the teams like Real Madrid, Barca were like, they were like, yeah, we really need some guaranteed money right now. Wasn't Juventus behind it too, though? Juve was really high on there too. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I just wanted to put an Italian in there because you know you mentioned the Spaniards. So I just wanted to. You know, yeah, no the, the the president of it was the Real Madrid uh, president. I think the vice president of the whole effort was the Juve guy. Let me, uh, let me ask you this. Let me, let me ask you this before you. I want you to elaborate on that, but I want I want to ask you this. Do you think that sports would be better? if people did not get paid unless they actually produced or won? Or do you think sports are as great as they are because people get paid as much as they do? Um, hmm. It's an interesting question because it, it's kind of a reflection of the American style of sport versus the European style. Um, no, no, it's not. No, it's not because European people get guaranteed contracts now. They do. It used to be that way, they but do. not anymore. Yeah. I, but but I'm I'm also looking at the team level. For for example, like, um, if you maintain your position in the Premier League, you get a payout. Mm-hmm. Or if if you qualify for the Champions League, you get a big payout. Um, I like that because you earned that shit. Like, yeah. I, you know, I I think, and it's why I think. Um, like per- perfect example of this. I, th- I think this is a fair um, way of looking at this. So I remember this was a couple years ago when it was like, okay, uh, Man City and Liverpool, they're going to battle for the title. Mm-hmm. And this was the year that Man City. Was that 2016? Um, we won 1920, so it was 1819 because 18, we, we, we finished on 99 points and lost. Yeah. Which was the okay. most points that anyone had ever had that didn't win the league. And 
That was also the year where Liverpool was supposed to be dog shit, and somehow, nah, we, like, yeah, yeah, we, we won. That, that was that was the we won the Champions League that year. That was the year we came back against Barca too. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to, you literally did not have to mention that, but I didn't have to. I didn't have to. You literally did not have, like literally zero percentage of that you had to mention. I, I shouted out Liverpool, and you were like, "So, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you had to eat a dick, yeah." Um, <laughs> But I, I remember watching a, a stream and it was all these guys that are diehard fans of their teams and, and they would stream most weekends and they were watching and it was a, a Man United fan just happened to be there this time. And they just they asked him point blank, kind of like that, where it was like what and it was probably, I don't know, maybe we we're like two thirds of the season neck and neck race like it, it's going to come down the wire. They know it. And they kind of just asked him, they just said, you know, like what, you know, both of those are rivals technically to, to United. And it was like, what would, what would hurt you more? And he said, I want Man City to win because I know it. You, like there's a certain level of the way that you build your team. If you have the merit, the merit of you built your team, you know, quote unquote, the right way. You, you built it through redevelopment and scouting and you didn't just buy a championship. That's always going to mean more. It's going to have the most championships in North American history and they bought a lot of those and they still. Yeah. Oh, nine was the most bought championship in maybe baseball. But, but I will say this though. I agree that it means more to the players. I don't think it means more to the fans. I think that I think, if you take, I think it means more. I don't think it means more to the fans that want it. They're just happy they want it. I think that the fact that the Red Sox and the Cubs won championships after those long jobs, they didn't give a fuck how they won them. It was like, yo, we got the championship. Well, we didn't buy ours. Mm. Y'all spent a lot of money that year. In a lot four? of money. You know, four. And this is why I say that, because, yes, you all had like a lot of people who've been there for years, but you still have to pay them big money to stay. And you paid them big money to stay. So you still paid for the championship. It wasn't like people on rookie contracts. That's fair. Yeah, we had a lot of vets. Um, what was our total? I'm trying to find it. Okay, so I want to... Like and I just want to tell the listeners, all three of them, that yeah. the Red Sox before that, and people may not remember this, and Ivan, definitely correct me if I'm wrong. The Red Sox before that were considered a very cheap franchise. Like, motherfuckers yeah. was not spending that yeah. kind of bread. So, like, the fact that right around the, this, this same because, ownership group came in, like, right before that. Exactly. That's why, that's why I want to say, like, because, like, it was like, yo, we're opening the fucking wallet. Like, what we need to do to win? And then it fucking broke open. So, like, that's why I say that, because I vividly remember – the Red Sox being considered like cheap, like the like the eight, like the Rays were not the same level, but like yeah, it was just yeah, like this we're is like to this is like hilarious to look at. So like compared to today, yeah, yeah. So for, for first of all, hilarious compared to today because most like the Red Sox, Yankees, probably Phillies at this point, mm-hmm. they're like two hundred plus now. Oh yeah, easy, e- like easy, like that's before you get to the stars. So the the, <laughs> the, the Red Sox team payroll in 04 was one hundred twenty seven million. Which you're like, oh, they must have been like middle of the pack. They were comfortably in second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, I remember. Was there, there were Dodgers three? There, no, no. 
You know who was number one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I tried to divert. I was like, wait, wait till I tell you their number. Wait till I tell you their number. 226. Number three. There was three teams over 100. Wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. guess. All right. Obviously, Yankees, Reds. All AL. I'll give you that. All AL. All AL? Mm hmm. So, not the Yankees. Yankees and Red Sox. Actually, funny. Four, five, six was Mets, Phillies, Dodgers. And then <laughs> it's funny. four, four through nine, or no, sorry, four through ten are all the NL, and then the top oh, yeah. three are AL. The NL gave no fucks. They were like, uh, uh. no, they, they were balling out. It's just all the other AL teams, were like, no, nope, those three, they're just gonna be better, so they can keep spending money, dude. It was it's years crazy. they were like, the all right, who do you think number three is? Who do you think number three is? AL. I can give you division, but I think you'll get it. No, 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 don't, 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 don't give me a division. I want, I want to keep it in the AO, just straight up AO. Mm-hmm. So it was Yankees, Red Sox. Yep. I feel like, and I might be wrong, I feel like either either number three or number four were terrible that year, even though they spent a lot of money. So, like, in my mind, it's hard for me to figure they made out. The playoffs. Exactly, like, they made the playoffs. They got knocked out by the Sox. No, I got a lot of in Sox. In the DS. Yeah, DS, yep. David Ortiz walk off walk off home run game three we swept them. Um, but I'm a, I'm I'm gonna go with. I could give you some real easy like hints that would be fun, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of guesses first if you can't get them. Can I get one hint? Because I'm drunk. Um, scale of one to ten, how easy of a hint do you want? Four. Um, there's so many hints that I want to give. <laughs> like, 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 there's a couple that I've gone through where I'm just like, nah, that's gonna give too much. Um, okay, I'm gonna give this, and this might be too easy, but I'm gonna give it anyway. This mm-hmm. team won a World Series in the 10 years <laughs> prior to this. Prior to this. Yep. So in the 10 years or less prior to 04, they won a World Series. They won a World Series. Which actually, there might be one answer. Actually, can can I, I, now that I do the math, no matter how many championships the Yankees won, there might be one team that qualifies for that. But, but can I act? Can I wait? So, can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. So, you know, in the last 10 years, a lot of the AL NL shifted. So, was this a team? Not in the last 10 that, years from now. In the last 10 years, since I, 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 no, I know. I know. They were like, in the I'm AL. Is, they were in the AL when it happened. They've been in the AL from then on. From Jump Street. Yep. One championship. I could give you an. I could give you another one. No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me live. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, go. Was it the former Philadelphia Athletics? No. Right division. Championship in that division. Ten years prior. Hmm. I'm also. Do you want want a fun hit? 
It, it's going to give it away, hit. but give it's going to be fun. It, it, you're going to get it off of this, but it's going to be fun. Okay. Give two, it of the, two of the greatest uh, players probably in their history, but at least in this millennium, have last names that are the name of fish. <laughs> the angels? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, think no batting gloves. Wait, wait. Can but... you what, what, what? The year they won it, was that the Garrett Anderson year? Oh, two. They beat, they beat Bonds. I think that was a Garrett Anderson. Okay. Garrett Anderson was there. Yeah. It was him, Troy yeah. Gloss, Darren Erstad. Yeah. Cause Eckstein he was a beast, may have been like... there. Garrett Anderson's weirdly forgotten about. Wasn't he also like blind or some shit? He, he, he had a like, I think it was like 2010. That's like it was insanity. like, I don't think he was technically blind, but for sports, that, that's also something like I can't fathom. I always talk to like anytime someone has bad eyesight, I'm like, I don't understand. Like I can't relate to that. Like, I remember my doctor thought I had bad eyesight. Like, I always think about that because, like, my parents wear, like, reading glasses or my dad wears glasses all the time. So, like, I mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to have bad eyesight. It's, like, a weird thing to say because, like, it feels like a brag, but it's also not, like, I don't know. I just don't have to think about that stuff. But, yeah. Um, I got I got, I got to say something. I got to say something. Yeah, go ahead. I had to look it up because I was like, when the fuck did they win? It's crazy because I, we were, I was off by, like, a year. The fucking A's won in Yeah, I was like, God night. damn, I knew it was close. Yeah, I almost said that. That was Eckersley. He was on that team. Uh, duh, because he's great, man. Come yeah. on. Yeah. But yeah, so the Angels had $100,534,667. The Red Sox, number two, $127,298,500. All right, wait, wait. Yankees, yeah, I'm going to go yeah. $223 million. Too high. Too high? $215 million. $184. That's it? That, that's it, yeah. <laughs> but but you know what's funny is you look at the previous year payroll. Uh, the Yankees were 152. Next closest was 117. So this was the point where they were like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah. This is when George was still running the show. No, I, I want to say this, though. Excuse me. I think you're going to appreciate it, but you're also going to say fuck it. I believe as a former Yankee fan, like I grew up, Long story, but I grew up rooting for the Phillies and the Yankees. I had a team in every conference. That's just how I rolled. This was the point where I think George knew he was dying soon. So I think that he really was just straight up like, I really do think, I I don't think it was fuck it. I think it was just straight up like, what am I hoarding this money for? I have so much money I can't spend. I mean, he'd be rolling over in his grave the last couple of years, though. In baseball, I don't know if he would, but like baseball was his love. I think. I think his. I don't know this man. Never the Yankees read a biography, were his Never love. seen documentaries. The I think love. baseball, and this is gonna sound fucked up. I think George Steinbrenner loved baseball more than he loved anything, including family, friends. Any. I think he loved. Yeah, baseball. but 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 I, but I think it's specifically more than that. Like he loved the Yankees. I was going to get to that. Yeah. I think he loved. I'm, ta- I'm talking about in general. I think he loved baseball, yeah. and then he got successful enough. To be the Yankees owner. And then it became one of these things where it's like, I'm going to win at all costs. And I think that he saw his own mortality because he had a lot of health scares. He had a lot of shit that was going on where it was just like, I don't know how long I'm going to be there. And the crazy thing was, this is the thing too. George Steinbrenner should be commended for this. And I know you're not going to do it as a Red Sox fan. He should be commended for this because he already had championships in the bank. And he was still like, fuck that. Let's win more. Like oh, no, a lot I, of people I, be I, like, I, I respect the shit out of George. I hated him, but that's why I know I respected him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, here's another fun game, and I don't know why you 
but he did make the pros, which is why I throw it out there. You want to guess who their number one draft pick was in 2004 at the Yankees? 2004? Yeah. He said he didn't make the pros? He did. He did make the pros. He was he in the pros the for a while. Yeah. Maybe 2004. Um, he played He played probably seven or eight years plus full years. Can I get a, can I, can I get a position? It's pitcher. a lot of positions. Pitcher. Yeah, he's pitcher? Mm-hmm. Starter. Starting pitcher? Mm-hmm. 2004. Was it Mark Burley? How would he have been picked by? No, he was still. I don't know. He was pitching in the World Series, blacked out for the White Sox the next year, which we'll have to get into that story. Maybe around episode 56, because that might be my person, Mark Burley. Um, Mark Burley could be on an all clear team, a.k.a. a Negro League member. Did, did How do you, I know that he didn't just transcend baseball? Did you know that, by the way? Did you know that yeah, story? Okay. Yeah, uh, anyway, the reason the reason why I knew that, because I used to run a recovery meeting at my current job. <laughs> no, no bullshit. No bullshit, dude. Like, I was, like, going deep into, like, the recovery shit. And Mark Burley wrote a book, I believe. I think it was a, either – I think it was a book. I think he wrote a book, and, like, I read, like, excerpts of it. It might have been an interview, but I swear it's a book. And he talked about – Stuff that he wish he could remember, and it was like it was like oh, pitching well. a pitching a perfect inning in the World Series. But but okay, so oh four. Let me get one more. Let me get one more. Let me get one more. Um, I'm trying to think. Was it was it a picture? Was it a picture that 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 common baseball fans would know the name? Mm, let me think of the correct way to answer this. And I mean common, like, you're not a fan of the Yankees, but you're a fan of baseball. So I'm going to give a true answer because I don't think it's going to help you. Okay. He was an all-star once in baseball. But the common baseball fan now, I think, knows him better for his presence on social media over the last few years than probably for his playing career. So I think they know of him, but not like for what he did as a starting pitcher in baseball, if that makes sense, which I don't know if that really helps. Um, He finished seventh in the Cy Young in 2014 playing for the Twins, and he was an all-star for the Yankees in 2010. Those are really his career uh, acknowledgments. So – can you repeat those career acknowledgments for your boy? Okay, one time. And, and you said he was drafted by the Yankees. Drafted by the Yankees, played there, was on the World Series team. Um, yep, yeah, was on the World Series team, starting pitcher. Um, he was an all-star in 2010. And in 2014, which is his first year away from the Yankees with the Twins, uh, finished seventh in the Cy Young voting. Was he was he a righty or a lefty? Righty. Uh, so I don't have a whitey righty. Whitey righty. <laughs> Yankees have never drafted a black pitcher except for Mariano Rivera. Yeah, he's Hispanic. Um, That's different. He's black. He's Afro. He's Afro Latino. All right. <laughs> Had to take um, what you could. <laughs> you got to get it how you get it, baby. What about Michael get it How you get what it, about, baby? What about Pineda or Sevi? I'm going with Sevi. I'm going with Sevi. So. I don't the social media thing doesn't hit me because I'm not right. On social yeah, media I don't think that really helps you. But, but like I'm I'm gonna say 
the only pitcher that I can think of who had like big dude, big dude. That's uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards that because the only pitcher I can think of who had like that that next level stuff on scouting reports because scouting reports or whatever, but like is Phil Hughes. Ding ding ding. What 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 does he do on social media? That's crazy. Like I don't, I don't know. know. He he's just been like pretty popular and like open about what he thinks about shit on social media. Like I feel like he's become like kind of is he like Kurt Schilling, but his own version of it. Mm-hmm. No, he's definitely not like Kurt Schilling. I don't um, I don't mean political view. I mean like he just gives it his raw out point what he feels. I, I think he comes at it from more of a, a humor, like he has more humor in his takes. Um I can't okay. say I follow him like super, super closely, but like he seems to be like, and it's also not like he's putting all of his thoughts out into the void. It's like mm-hmm. he's he's good about like responding to people being like, yeah, this is this or, you know, like I think this or but like it's always about baseball. Like so he has like the good okay. parts of Kurt Schilling. Like I genuinely and I will say this and, you know, I could say this until tomorrow. Like I don't know that I've ever seen five maybe less people be a better analyst of how pitching works than Kurt Schilling like I think five for, maybe for, wait 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 wait. Let, let that breathe yeah can you say it again can you say it again just let yeah. it breathe say it again as it pertains to actual analysis of pitching mm-hmm. I'm not sure that there's three to five people that are better than Kurt Schilling at that mm. wait wait let me let me let that breathe yeah. let me think mm-hmm. about something mm-hmm. Greg Maddox has been a really good broadcaster. Yes. He describes pitching really well. Are, are you, are you, are, so are you considering? I'm also saying like Kurt Schilling was also doing this on baseball tonight, I think was the big. But like, I was, was going to say that. On, like, are, are, you considering pe- are you considering people who are not full-time broadcasters or only mm-hmm. full-time broadcasters? I'm talking full-time broadcasting. Okay, yeah, like, okay because like, because Pedro would come on and be yeah. like, well, this, you know. This, this, this was like, also something that, damn. you know, like, yeah, because he was on baseball tonight before Pedro really got going with Fox. I think pitchers typically make the worst broadcasters. So, like, I would agree with you because, like, usually basemen, like first basemen, like the like the, like the positions on the diamond that are not looked at the glory positions are Catch, usually catchers the best are usually the best, probably. I would say. Yeah. So, like, you, I'll, you I'll have probably to agree know with everything. You. I'll probably yeah, because like w- when he was able to just talk about pitching, it was like an illuminating experience. Because why, I, I think the other think difference. So I, I think to, to use the comparison of Pedro, it's it's almost that like I don't I don't know the, you know a couple of drinks in you know I might say something I regret here but you know you know I, I take I take skin color into perspective here when I say this but like Pedro like he had natural gifts mm-hmm. his hands should not have been the size that they were. Mm-hmm. So when Pedro was like, yeah, this is how you pitch. And he shows like a, how he grips a changeup. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. No one can do that. Whereas can, Kurt can Schilling I, was I, able I, to interject like. Though? Yeah. Can, I, can I interject yeah, though? Can I interject though? Sure. I think that Pedro had natural gifts, but every pitcher has natural gifts because to me, pitching is was the a closest thing. Yeah. In, no, the pitching is the closest thing in sports to punching power. Where, like, you have bone density, you have arm length, you have hand size, just the way you have in, in, in punching power. You have big hands, you have heavy hands, you have a, a heavy exo, exoskeleton where, like, you didn't pick these things. It's just what it happens. However, there are people in both sports that have the same gifts but can't do it. 
So I think that you have to master those specific physiological gifts in order to make it happen. Like Pedro wasn't a great pitcher because he had big hands. He had, he was a great pitcher because he almost was never hurt, which is rare mm-hmm. as shit for a pitcher in that era. I mean, era he did also have absurdly innings. large hands for his yeah, size. I, no, I, I get that. But like, if you think about it, though, there are pitchers who missed games when we were growing up because of blisters. And usually yeah. blisters come because you have too much circumference of your hand on the ball. So, like, the yeah, fact I'm that trying that to find like a thing, good picture, though, of like, um, like Michael Jordan had crazy, he also had hand surgery to get rid of like this in between part of his thumb and his index. Finger. I don't know if you know that. So he could control mm-hmm. the ball better. Excuse yeah, me. So, like, think about. So Kurt Schilling was like six four, right? So, yeah, so that's big I, shit. I'm that's showing big some, shit. I'm showing some pictures. So like this isn't really gonna help the the listeners, all all two of you. Um, but like so this is Kurt Schilling on a splitter. Mm-hmm. It's a big hand. I'm 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 gonna describe it for people. So Kurt Schilling on a splitter, his two front fingers, his index and his middle finger probably holds over, I would say 45% of the baseball. Yeah, so like if, if you're if you're holding a baseball, if you have one by, he's got it split on the two seam on the on the inner part of the two seam with maybe a half an inch part. either side. Uh, yeah, but the other but the other piece is like you look at the the um where his fingers join, like it's all white. So like he's straining that as far as he can. You know what I mean? Versus mm-hmm. you look at Pedro's changeup grip. I mean that's stupid. And, and for the listeners, what's happening here is Pedro's hands, the way he does. I also want to tell the people who are listening that Pedro's changeup is different because when, when it came to Kurt Schilling, he used his two first fingers to outstretch. Yeah, the, to be fair, that was a splitter versus a changeup. So it is a little different. Yeah. Um, so, like, because it's of the, one their, of those their pitch repertoire. So I, I will we'll add that caveat. But, but I, I would say that, like, when it came to it, the. We don't know necessarily how Pedro used to pitch with the two front fingers because the way he used to throw pitches were not the same as Kurt Schilling. So I just want to give that caveat. But the way that it was is that Pedro's fingers were so far past the laces that you would think that he had an extra finger. Like that's how big his hands were. Um, For someone who's 5'9". I also don't think Pedro was 5'9". Yeah, listed. Yeah, if we're trying to listed at 5'9". Like I, I've seen him like when he was affiliate. Look how pretty that like, is. Also, speaking I, of, I I just want to say this because I'm gonna forget it otherwise. And I know we've had a really long episode, so this is not really long, man. Joe Rogan goes for four hours, man. We good. Long for how we've been doing it lately, and that's not a bad yeah. thing. Um, I just want to say a quick fuck you to Dan Shaughnessy. Um, <laughs> what? Why are you out giving out fuck you superlatives? No, no. Let me say this. And I say this as someone who, uh, my high school newspaper um, was edited. Our teacher uh, of that class was his daughter. I've been in his house. Uh, I would still say fuck you to his face for this particular thing. Um, David Ortiz on the ballot for the first time this year for the hall of fame um this popped into my head i wasn't gonna bring this up and now that we're talking pedro i have to talk poppy six out of seven uh writers for the boston globe uh had votes for the hall of fame this year six one of seven. them okay. one of them did not wait vote. wait 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 wait, wait. Yeah. and just for your for the three listeners here 
Boston oh, Globe we're up is to four now. The, I, I just checked. We're up to four. All right, four. The Boston Globe is considered the greatest sports editorial in the entire country. So is I was that wondering. True? Yeah, it is. It's considered the greatest in, in I'd vote all against of the that. entire country. Anyways, yeah. Um, so like, but, but I want, but because like you said, it like six out of seven people are like, oh, that's biased. Like, no, it's it's an earned thing. It's not just because they're in yeah. Boston that they get it. It's because they've earned it. So, so six six out of seven voted for Dave Ortiz. He was the only one that did not. Wait, he's so, the only one who did what? Did not vote for David Ortiz on his Hall of okay. Fame ballot. Oh, you're talking the, about this person who, who you giving the Dan Shaughnessy, okay. yeah. And he <laughs> voted for the second straight year for one person on the ballot, Jeff Kent. I love Jeff Kent, by the way. I like Jeff Kent. If you look at the current Hall of Fame ballot and say Jeff Kent is the only Hall of Famer, I'm going to call you a liar because you are. And he also and this was called out in part of the fact that he didn't vote for Dave Ortiz was basically straight up in my eyes, racist to Dave Ortiz's face at one time where he basically said to Dave Ortiz's face, well, you're older and a slugger and you're Dominican. So don't, wouldn't you say you fit the mold? Like, don't you think you'd be a prime suspect for steroid use? And I was like, what? And this is why Bill Russell had his jersey retired with an empty stadium and only his teammates. Yep. And and, and I, I would like to, while I give a fuck you to Dan Shaughnessy, I want to also give from the Boston Globe a gold star to Alex Spear, who mm-hmm. he, he's kind of um, – he does a lot of stuff with Nesson, the, the broadcast company for the Red Sox. He what does is, a lot what of Nesson? Uh, New England Nesson? Sports Network. Yeah, New England okay. Sports Network. So he, I didn't he, know that. So I yeah, but he does a lot of like the deep dive stat stuff. He's he's really good at what he does. He this was his first year getting to vote, and I think mm-hmm. he needs to be made an example of in the in what voting should be now. He not only did he use all ten of his votes, but he was ready to come with. I wanted to vote for these two people, but I didn't have room to vote for them on my ballot. And that's what we need in voting. All these people that say, I'm not voting for anyone, fuck out of here. You never get a ballot again in my eyes. Dan Shaughnessy, you only want to vote for Jeff Kent, you don't get a ballot again. But this guy, and to be fair, I would have voted for different people than he did. Like, he didn't vote for A-Rod or Manny. Um, But I think... But it's not, though, because he voted for everyone who was on their last ballot. So he voted for Clemens. He voted for Bonds. He voted for Sosa. He voted for Schilling. He voted for Sheffield. I don't think Sheffield. Sosa was last. I don't think Sosa was last. Or, or, I, think Sosa. I, um, I, I don't remember who. I don't remember who was. He vo- there was four guys on the last ballot. He voted for all four of them. And yeah, then I from there, he better. put an emphasis on, I think, guys that are on later ballots. So he voted for Sheffield. He voted for Helton. Um and then he said specifically, he, he voted for Billy Wagner. He voted for, you know, the, the irony is he used 10 of his votes, named two more guys he wanted to vote for. And still in that, he didn't have Jeff Kent on his list, <laughs> which I did find very funny in irony compared to Dan Chauncey. But yeah, he was like, yeah, I wanted to vote for Manny and A-Rod, but I just ran out of room. And I was like, that's what it should be. It should be like, I love baseball. I want these guys to be recognized. And I yeah. ran out of room. Rather than some petty bullshit, I would. I I will one hundred percent. There's two. There's two baseball teams that I'll take over every baseball team you can create from a fantasy draft. The two are every Negro League All Star 
and every steroid all-star. Give me both of those. I'm going to bust the shit out of you every single time. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because baseball allowed steroids but denied niggas. So here we are. The other, the other thing I will say is like, it's not like there's not drug users in the Hall of Fame. Like Ted Williams, and we've talked the at veterans. great length about the great, yeah. the greatness of the Ted greenies. Williams. He brought greenies to baseball. All They're right, all so I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dismiss that a little bit. I don't also, have Ivan Rodriguez. Had wait, 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 no, no, no. wait, wait, wait. I don't have any facts to dismiss that. I also don't like the, the fact that the Mexican guy brought amphetamines to baseball. In my mind, a white guy gave him the amphetamines, but he just happened to make him popular because I can't, yeah, I can't, in my minority mind, allow the Mexican guy to be on the hook for the drug use. Of it. I'm, I'm being biased. I know Cartel I am. Teddy. Fuck yeah. it. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah he Cartel got that shit Teddy. From yeah. Babe Ruth was dead like 30 years before Ted Williams. But we just talked about Babe Ruth is a minority. We've been over this. Yeah, Babe Ruth is a black man. I also, I don't want to say it, you know, now that we just said that. He also killed his wife, allegedly. But listen, all your white, alleged white heroes were corrupted. Man, Elvis's wife was 15 when he got married to her in Germany when he was in the army. Yeah, the more we think about it, every historical figure is fucked. So. Most of them. Every white historical figure is fucked. I can't really say every historical figure. Well, now I'm kind of painted into a core. I can't really come back over the top from that line. So, And that's why we're quite right. Yeah. Welcome back, Clay Thompson. Uh, Clay, Splash, Clay, the, Clay. The Splash and Brothers used, are back. He, and he used every Space Jam gif he could find. And he had that, that thick headband. Love to see it. Welcome back. Yeah. He out, here looking like, he, he out here looking like he out here. He looking like the mixed kid at the rec center who don't know which team he should play for. I love it. <laughs> we are quite right. Rest in peace, Bob Saget. Rest in peace, Sidney Poitier. Rest in peace, Betty White. We out here. Tell someone you love him. For sure.